This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Your possibilities. Possibilities. Hello there, Andrew Jobling, and welcome to the Wellness Puzzle Podcast for another week. I am joined this week by Dr. Irene Tan, and she was a bit nervous, I have to admit it. I had to convince her to do this podcast, but she's done an incredible job. Irene is a doctor, a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, so she's a geriatrician, and I've had to practice that a few times to get it right. So she's been doing that for decades now. She is the owner of a gym. She's a personal trainer. She's passionate about helping people because she works with elderly people. That's what a geriatrician does. So she can see the impact of poor choices during a lifetime and how they impact people in their later life. So let me tell you, if you are interested in living a long, happy, healthy, wonderful, joyful, beautiful life, and you're interested in learning how to move your body with fluency, then you want to listen to this conversation. So sit back. Actually, you could be going for a walk while you're listening to this conversation because then you'd be moving. That would be very appropriate. Or you can sit down, whatever you want to do, but make sure you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Irene Tan. I am with the wonderful Dr. Irene Tan. Hello, Irene. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I don't really call you doctor that often, do I? It's Irene. Yeah. It's wonderful to have you here. We are sitting at my dining room table at the moment, and this is on the eve of another coronavirus lockdown in Melbourne, Australia. Yes, this is not what we wanted, but we're going to accept that we have to go into lockdown for another week and hopefully be out of it quick. We hope so, don't we? We were saying earlier, Irene, that it's just so reactive, isn't it? Like, it's reactive. Okay, there's a few cases where let's shut everything down. Let's not worry about businesses or lifestyles or people's livelihood. We're just shutting everything down, locking them down, stay at home. There's got to be a better way. Well, the better way is to really to get everyone vaccinated. Do you think that's really the best way to get them vaccinated? Yes, I think that, you know, we're very fortunate in this country that we actually have been offered the vaccination. And it's a little bit disappointing that there's been some hesitancy around it. And I believe that the faster we get everyone vaccinated and then the sooner we can start to enjoy life, travel and do all the things that, you know, we did pre-COVID, even though life will probably not be quite the same as before. I don't think it'll ever be the same, will it? It won't be the same. And you know the thing, Irene, and you are a physician, I was just talking before we started recording, you had 12 years of study to become a geriatrician, which Mm. is a lot of study. There is a lot of study. So you have to study to do your undergraduate uh, degree to get your uh, what we call the MBBS. And then you have to do another, depending on whether you pass your exams quickly, maybe another between three to six years of becoming a specialist. So I had to sit the physician exam. I failed a couple of times, unfortunately. As we, all, we always fail. Yeah. You've got to fail. That's how you grow. <laughs> and I was in a, a very prestigious tertiary hospital in the city. And after failing, I decided I would go to a geriatric hospital. 
And while I was there, I passed my exam and uh, geriatric medicine found me rather wow. than the other it's, way around. Isn't that interesting? So you're doing some amazing stuff. And I want to talk about, we're sort of diverting a little bit. We touched on coronavirus and I think, and I just want to say this and then I want to move on and talk more about you. But I just think it's been sort of 18 months now or close to 18 months and the talk's always about, you know, lockdowns and masks and reactive things. And I mean... Even the, the vaccination, to a certain extent, is reactive. And I think, why don't we talk about improving our immune system? Why isn't there more done? Why isn't the government taking more responsibility to help people eat better and move? And one of the things we're going to talk about today is movement, exercise, eating well, the way we think, the way we react, understanding our emotional state on our body. None of that's mentioned. Like, let's go, I agree with you, and I think a vaccination for a lot of people, is a good thing. I do. I do. But I don't think that's the answer to well-being or avoiding other viruses. I think the only way we ever avoid getting sick is we look after ourselves. Mind, body, spirit, everything, nutrition, the whole package, yep. we make ourselves immune to viruses and disease. I totally agree with you, Andrew. Working in the area of geriatric medicine, I see a lot of people... Uh, you know, in their 70s and 80s, and they're suffering from a lot of conditions which are preventable. So I believe strongly that prevention is better than cure and that we really have to instill these practices or healthy practices when people are much younger, you know, from childhood to adulthood. And I tend to see people, you know, in my other work as a personal trainer and fitness instructor in their 40s and 50s. And I think this is the time to really catch people because they have, uh, most of them, perhaps, you know, kids have grown up and uh, they've got more time to think about their own health. And this is where we really need to instill uh, regular practices of good nutrition and movement and improving their immune function for sure. Absolutely. And that, I mean, that was the next thing I was going to say. Not only are you a doctor of geriatrics, but you also are a part owner of a fitness studio and you're a personal trainer and you take bar classes and it's this lady in front of me right now that convinced me to do a bar class. Now, that is not sitting down with an alcoholic beverage and drinking that as fast as you can. I learned that a long time ago. Don't worry. That I did bar <laughs> classes back in uni days. This was a bar class, a fitness version of like, I guess, a ballet sort of style. Yeah. And I'm so far from the ballet dancer style. So Irene has talked me into doing bar <laughs> class. And I've done about three or four now. Yeah. And you're quite good at it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and we are now trying to recruit more men, aren't we? We oh, had four this yes, week. Yes. Just gone that by. That was quite historical. I've never had, you know, more than three men in my class so that was uh, amazing four very <laughs> handsome rugged men in your class which obviously all the other girls were very distracted yeah. um and had trouble training because of let's not go there so irene you've got a really interesting background so where are you from originally originally i'm from malaysia yep and i came over to australia to do my year 12 or victorian hsc as it was known then <laughs> And, uh, exactly. I did HSC too. <laughs> so I got into medicine and then decided to, yeah, do physician training. What was it that inspired you to want to get into medicine? Uh, to be honest, I didn't really have any um, great passion for any particular profession. 
I think I just wanted to leave the country. <laughs> leave Malaysia. Yes. And that was your excuse to go and do medicine yes, in Melbourne. That's right. <laughs> and just live in a new country and try something different. So I got the marks and that's why I did it. I knew that my parents would be quite pleased if I did medicine. Any parents would be very proud of their child for doing medicine. Yeah. And then I think I don't regret it. I think I'm not very academic or, you know, uh, the brightest kid in the class, but I think that I do have good communication skills and that really helps. And the other thing, Irene, that I noticed about you is you care about people. Yes. You do. You love people. You like to see people in your classes when you're training people. You obviously care about them and I'm sure that shows through with working with the mature population with their health and well-being as well. You don't do that just for bucks, really. You do it because you actually love to help people. And you've been doing it for how many years now? A long time. A long time. We'll just leave (laughs) it at that, a long time. So you don't stay at something, doing something for a long time if you're not getting something from it and you're not really having joy with it. Yeah. I think uh, geriatric medicine is a very holistic um, branch of medicine. So we're not organ-specific. Uh, we deal with the medical issues, the you know the pharmacology, the psychosocial issues. We look at their cognitive impairment, functional capacity, and we help them plan their future. We look at their capacity to make decisions. So very very holistic, and um, very rewarding as well. I can imagine. It must be a little bit sad at times too i can imagine particularly for people that have maybe not looked after themselves as they could have during their life and as we know you're a doctor you can tell us about the degradation of the body over time it's going to happen anyway but if we don't look after it, it's going to happen a lot quicker and a lot more extreme so you've seen people we were talking before we started dementia and frailty and a whole range of things it must be sad to see people that are probably not that old, maybe 60s, 70s, 80s, which is still not old. I mean, my dad's 86 now, and he's just a sprightly young Mm. chap. He is. But it must be sad also to see people that have got to that point where it's sort of almost past the point where you can really help them. Yes. Because science, technology is so advanced now, we can really prolong people's lives you know the drugs we use the technology is just amazing so a lot of people are not dying from those uh those type of illnesses they're more dying from chronic um, neurodegenerative problems like alzheimer's dementia you know parkinson's disease and also the consequences of frailty falls is a big problem in the elderly and um so those uh, you know, those are the things that really uh, lead to their demise, you know, in these days. So uh, you're right. So, you know, at, when they get to that point, it's uh, very hard to reverse a lot of these changes. So really, we should be looking at uh, encouraging people, you know, in their younger days, you know, maybe in their, as teens. I said, in their teens. Yeah, but I tend to see them, you know, a bit later. But to encourage people to start moving, to really you know, look after themselves. So I have always loved movement, you know, even as a child, as in going through school, I loved dancing. I was always the first one to put up my hand if there was a concert. I didn't receive any formal dance training and that perhaps is one one of my greatest regret. But, you know, it's never too late to start. Exactly. You could start. You could be a superstar (laughs) professional dancer. (laughs) Maybe not quite. (laughs) But... 
as long as you're moving, I think that's really important. And for me, movement comes in different forms. Of course, in the literature, everything is um, really emphasised around strength training and yep. endurance. Yep. Now, strength training is very important, resistance training. And what you find that is that a lot of people, as they grow older, they lose a lot of muscle mass or yep. lean muscle mass. And they get to a point where we call it sarcopenia in the medical term. Okay, that's yep. a big word. <clears throat> and so... Uh, when you have sarcopenia, you then you may you know be more susceptible to falls, and then when you fall, you fracture. Yep. And then you are scared of, you know, you you get develop a fear of falling as well. And just as a side note, I've just learned that fear of falling is called basophobia. If you Bas- want to basophobia, there yeah. you go. B a s o. Phobia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We might hold that thought because, I mean, obviously we want to talk more about exercise, but this is a point I want to make as we just end this first session. Irene sees people in their mature yes. age. 60 where 60 and onwards. 60 and onwards. And these are people that are suffering and they've got a lower quality of life and means they have trouble to doing pretty much everything, right? Everything, relationships, yep. pretty much anything that's important to them, they're going to have trouble with. So if you're listening to this and you are what you are in terms of your age, now is the time, and I really want you to pay attention as we come back after the break to Irene. She's going to give us some amazing tips around, and this is her term, moving with fluency. So we're going to talk about that when we get back, but I really want to encourage you to listen and listen hard and start to apply some of the stuff Irene's going to talk about so that when you get into your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and please, I need some people to join me beyond 100 years of age. I don't want to be alone. So you need to look after yourself. Now, we'll be back shortly. Everyone has a book inside us waiting to be written. And Adri Jobling can unleash the hidden author in you. Have you ever wanted to become a successful author and impact many lives? Andrew will support, guide and mentor you through the entire process and help you leave your legacy for the world. Contact Andrew for a free 30-minute chat about the influence you want and can have. Go to andrewjobling.com.au to find the author in you. Irene, I think one of the things that the coronavirus has really reinforced to me is the importance of looking after ourselves. And it's not because of the coronavirus. I think just because people that live along happy, healthy lives, they create good habits. There's good thinking habits, good emotional habits, good eating habits, good exercise habits. And all that stuff builds immunity. And I think, yes, it's important to wash your hands. It's important to wear your mask. It's, as Irene says, you know, go and get yourself vaccinated. But don't think a vaccination is going to create good health. All it's doing is preventing, hopefully preventing you contracting a virus. The only thing that's going to create good well-being and joyful longevity is the right thinking, responding, not reacting, creating good nutritional habits, and moving with fluency. I tried to move with fluency, Irene, in the bar class, and I failed miserably. Well, I would beg to differ. (laughs) Well, you've seen a few guys doing it, and guys are not that fluent. I don't know. I think you can develop fluency with practice. Okay, so when you say a move with fluency, what do you mean? So the way I see movement is I divide it into different domains. We spoke briefly about strength training and I think it's important to 
uh, say that you don't have to go to a gym and carry big weights. You can do a lot of resistance training even at home. So during the lockdown, you know, you can use household items even, such as uh, water bottles or various things as, as weights, bands, you know. You can use your dog. I've used my dog, yes. Yeah, I use my dog. I've squat, and she doesn't like it at all. She wants to jump out of my arms, but I say, yeah. you're hanging with me, we're doing squats. Yeah. She says, so okay, cu- Dad. That's right. And so the current recommendation is at least two sessions of resistance training a week. For how long? You know, an hour, 45 minutes. Yep. Yep. Then the other component is um, obviously the endurance training, the aerobic fitness. The current recommendation is at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise a week. So that means working at about 60 to 70% of your maximal heart rate. What that means is that you can still exercise and uh, speak in short sentences. Yep. So if you're, you're a little ga- bit puffy. If you're gasping for breath, you're probably training too hard. That's right. Yep. Perhaps the less emphasized or undervalued aspects of movement is agility and balance. I put those two together. Yep. So you know, Andrew, in life, we don't move in a linear fashion. Life doesn't happen like that. We often come in contact with obstacles. There's twists and turns in our life. So it's the same with moving. You need to be able to pirouette around someone walking towards you and do a backflip over a a bike that's coming your way. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So you've got to move in response to a change in your environment. Yep. You know, you may have to jump out of the way or jump over a puddle or, you know, try to um, regain your balance if you trip over. So for me, agility and balance is quite an important aspect of uh, fitness. And then the next one is flexibility. <laughs> I know uh, a lot of guys uh, say I'm not flexible and, you know. I'm flexible in my thinking. Yeah. And so you have to be flexible in your body as well. Oh, okay. So flexibility is all about range of movement and either you, you know, extend your range of movement, improve your range of movement. And I truly believe that it does reduce injury and also maximize your performance, whatever sport you're doing. If you look at someone like uh, Djokovic, who is the tennis player, you can see that his uh, flexibility really helps um, in maximizing his uh, performance. And I think flexibility is something that everyone should try to improve. Uh, look, I think it's incredibly important. It really is. And I think when I played footy, we joked, blokes, yeah, blokes. We joked, oh, yeah, stretching <laughs> doesn't get chicks. So we didn't do enough stretching. You know, it just—it was one of those things where after a really solid talk about training until you couldn't breathe, like <gasps> you're gasping for air, and you got through, you know, an hour, two hours of just pretty intense football training, and then at the end of it, it was like stretching. It's like, oh, no, I can't be bothered. Let's go and have yeah. a beer. And so you miss out on that. And I know now in my mid-50s mm. that um, I wish I had stretched more. Yeah. And it's never too late. Thank you. And you're helping me with that, Irene. That's right. And the analogy I like to use is, you know, after a storm, the tree that's strong but does not yield will snap. I love that. (laughs) Say that again. The tree that's very strong but does not yield will snap in the storm. So if it's strong but has no flexibility, it will snap. And that's like a hamstring that can squat like 200 kilos. But if it's not flexible, it's going to snap. 
Mm. <laughs> Very powerful. That's really cool. I like that. That's a good analogy. Okay. So the last component of fitness, I think, which is really important, is coordination. Yep. And why that is important is that, first of all, it engages your brain. So I've been guilty of doing, ex- you know, doing exercises and not even thinking about the exercise that I'm doing. My mind is far away, you know, thinking about something else, what I'm going to eat for dinner or what <laughs> I'm going to do the next day or what I've done. So your mind is not engaged in the activity. So when you have an activity that requires thinking, coordination, and perhaps even a complex series of movement, straight away you engage your brain and you bring yourself to the present moment. That's awesome. Now I want to ask you a question here because how many people, when they're exercising... They've got their earphones in and they're listening to music or they're listening to something to take their mind off, obviously, the discomfort of the exercise. How's that affecting the coordination? Well, if you're not concentrating on the movement, then you're not really engaged in the activity. You are just uh, doing it unconsciously. So if you were doing a bicep curl, but your mind is not, there or you're distracted then you're not really paying much attention to the the muscle groups that you're working on so if i ask you to do a series of three or four actions if you don't focus on those movements you're not going to get it right so you're potentially compromising your form you're potentially yeah. compromising your posture and leading to possibly yeah, but injury. you're not learning but you're not learning you're not learning and it's also exercising our brain is just as important yeah. as exercising your body right yeah And most important thing is you bring your focus to the activity that you're performing. You bring your mind to the present. The mindfulness. Exactly. And not only that, you're probably building new circuitry, like, you know, in your brain. So you're learning new things. Your brain's, you know, wiring in a a new way that it hadn't done before. So you're learning new skills. That's an interesting perspective, Irene. Yeah. That's really good because I think there are a lot of people. You know, you go to the gym. I don't go to the gym, but people do go to the gym. And you see people, if you walk past the gym and they're on the treadmill or on a bike or they're doing something, even doing weights, and they're all listening. There's no more – you don't see it anymore. You don't see that social interaction in gyms. You don't see people just focusing on their exercise. I see people just going, oh, I've got to get this over and done with. Yeah. Rather than, as you said, be really mindful and be in the moment. Yeah. I've never been able to listen to music while I exercise. Mm. A lot of people do things unconsciously. So we drive unconsciously, wouldn't think about what we're doing. And, you know, you can do a lot of physical activity in an unconscious manner because you've done it a hundred times before you know how to do it. So you're not challenging yourself in any way. And your body just goes through a, a, a series of movements you know, you're not in the present. Your mind is elsewhere. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> and this is a really interesting topic, Irene. I think if you're in the moment with your exercise, I'm sure you'll enjoy it more. And I think that's the thing people see exercise. And the reason why a lot of people talk themselves out of it or don't do it or hit the snooze button because they see it as uncomfortable and painful and it hurts and it doesn't work straight away. Like I go for a run and I haven't lost any weight or I do a set of biceps because my biceps aren't any bigger. And we think, well, it's uncomfortable and it's not getting results. Whereas if you focused on every step you take on that run and it's a psychological thing isn't it? and you feel 
fit it with every step or every time you do a squat mm. and you focus on your glutes exactly and your quads and your hammies working I do that now mm. and and I enjoy exercise a lot more than I used to mm. because I know that every rep or every step or everything that I do is actually helping me become not just fitter and not just stronger and not just more flexible but it's helping me live a better quality of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. So the other thing I want to ask you about exercise, you mentioned bicep curls and blokes love bicep curls, don't they? I mean, what is it with bicep curls and blokes? I don't know. I should ask you. Well, I don't do bicep curls and I haven't done bicep curls or leg curls or pretty much any isolation type exercise. And for those people that don't know what an isolation exercise is, I'll get Irene to explain (laughs) it because she's the doctor. Well, it's just basically moving one muscle at a time. Exactly. One group of muscle. And I really like exercises that are functional. There you go. See, we didn't pre-script this. I just knew Irene was going to pick this up and run with it. I like the idea of diversity of movement. So in an exercise, you're moving multiple parts of your body and you're moving in different planes as well, twisting, you know. I know you've done that to me in yeah. your bar class several times. <laughs> yes. I think I nearly fell on my face 12 times. Because in life, we, when we move, we don't just move one muscle. We move multiple muscles in different directions. So when we exercise, we try to simulate what we have to do in life. And when you think about it, what do you want to do later in life, you know? What are your goals? Do you want to travel? Do you want to pick up your grandchild? Do you want to play certain sport? Then you should, you know, work towards those to maintain those goals or to achieve certain goals like that. And, you know, through functional movements. And that's perfect. And I think, you know, if you want to, let's say you want to go hiking, for example, up a mountain, well, you need to do step-ups or lunges. As you said, if you want to... If you've got kids and you want grandkids and you want to be able to pick up your grandkids and your yeah. great-grandkids, well, you need to do squats and you need to do deadlifts. and you need. But it's all functional movement. So I would just say to people, if, if you are investing time in strength training, seriously, don't waste time doing bicep curls because if you do a chin-up or a, some sort of rowing movement, which is more functional, you're going to use your biceps. Exactly. And yeah. you can do a lot of like push-ups, for example. Mm. You don't need to do tricep push-downs. You're using your tricep in a push-up or a, some sort of pushing yeah. movement, yeah? So yeah. as you said, I mean, there's so many muscle groups that we have in our body and we can do one exercise and it might access three, four, five, six plus muscles. Exactly. Rather than yeah. one because we think having big biceps is important. Yes, I'm a big proponent of developing or strengthening core strength because it's like if you have a very strong foundation – then you're more stable, if you like, you know, more grounded. There's no point having a very strong biceps and a very weak core, for example. You yep. might topple over. <laughs> well, again, the analogy, because you use the analogy of the strong tree that doesn't yield, will break, will snap. Yeah. That's like the same as you can build you know, a strong house on a swamp and it's going to sink into the swamp. Your core is your foundation. I mean, yeah. You've got to build a strong foundation. There's no point trying to do heavy squats and massive chest press and and all that sort of stuff and have no core because you're going to lead to injury and frustration, yeah? Exactly. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. So let me just summarise. Moving with fluency, Irene, it sounds like there's lots to it. You've got to do some strength training. Yes. You've got to do some cardiovascular stuff. I mean, you need Mm -hmm. to strengthen your heart and lungs. So walking, swimming, running, riding, boxing, bar class – 
a whole range of different things. Dancing, you know, it can be fun as well. Tennis, yeah, all I sorts think of it's stuff. Important walking, to... creating a, a foundation of walking, I think, is an important thing. Yeah, if you can do your ten thousand steps a day, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. And then you also mentioned agility, balance, balance, flexibility, coordination, coordination, and core strength. Yeah. Okay, so if you listen to this and you're feeling a bit <laughs> overwhelmed, that's okay. Take it slowly. We might even get Irene after we have a short break just to maybe give us an example of what a week might look like to include all that stuff or even one workout. Because in one workout, you could do some cardio, you can do some strength, you can do some coordination, you can do some balance, and you can certainly do some flexibility. So you can do a lot of that in one workout. Yeah, like a bar workout. Like a bar workout. So if you listen, if you live in Melbourne and you're in the eastern suburbs, you know... Irene will take you through this amazing bar workout, but we'll chat about that shortly. We'll be back after a break. Running a personal training or group fitness business usually means hours organising bookings, answering missed messages and chasing payments until you discover the Fiddy Trainer app. Fiddy becomes the heart of your fitness business by driving your sales. Fiddy gets you paid faster, helps maintain your clients and simplifies arranging bookings by automating everything. Let Fiddy focus on your business health so you can focus on your clients. Visit Fiddy.com to download or schedule a live demo. I'm looking at Orange's face. I've just been chatting to her during the break and she's looking scared. I said, let's do this and that. And her eyes have got really big and she's looking at me like, what? Sorry about that, Orange. Didn't mean to scare That's you. That's okay. You can handle it. If you can move as a teenager from Malaysia to Melbourne to do 12 years of study to get a medical degree and then specialise in geriatrics and then you can be a part owner of a fitness business, you can be a personal trainer teaching bar class, you can handle anything. (laughs) Thank you. You can. So I was just chatting to Irene as we had a break about just offering some really simple practical ideas for people, how they can start to incorporate some of this stuff into everyday and basic things because I think... Everyone knows about cardiovascular. We don't need to tell people to go for a run or walk or ride their bike. They know it. And we really probably don't need to talk to people about squatting and push-ups and strength work. The only thing I'd say about strength would be to make sure you're balancing opposing muscle groups. Don't just do a heap of push-ups and don't do any rowing type or opposing muscle group exercise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Irene's agreeing with me, which is always a good thing. Okay, so how do people start to incorporate flexibility, coordination, balance, core into their day-to-day life? I think the first thing to say is that physical activity, I I like the term physical activity rather than exercise. So there are lots of things you can do. We call them incidental exercise, so things that you do as part of your day. So every opportunity you can to move. Yep. So we know that prolonged sitting and sedentary life is associated with a poor mobility. So Can you I could, just ask you, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, can I just ask you a question? Because I've heard this, mm. that sitting is the new smoking. What's the actual reality of that? I mean, is that a true statement? Is that just exaggeration? Is that just trying to, I don't know, manipulate people? If we oversit for too long, is it really that bad for our health? It is. So, for example, some people will, you know, go and train for an hour, you know, quite intense. And then they might spend the rest of the time sitting, having a very sedentary rest of the day. And actually nullifies the effects of your good work. Okay. So, 
prolonged sitting is associated with a higher mortality. So okay, well that's so good. Try to well, move as good. much. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. That's but but it's good to understand that. And people these days are, and particularly in a lockdown situation, and because people are working from home and there's far more screen time and far more computer time, how do we start to incorporate some things? Let's start within the home. Yep. If people are sort of in front of a computer a lot, how do they start to incorporate some of these ideas? Well, I always say to people, you know, if you're sitting at a computer to get up every half an hour, don't sit longer than half an hour. Get up, walk around. If you've got steps or stairs in your house, you can use that as for your cardio, just going up and down, you know, steps. The kitchen table is, uh, the kitchen sink, I should say, is a great place to exercise. To do some tap dancing? (laughs) You can do some nice push-ups there. (laughs) Yeah, I always tell my clients, you know, when you're at the kitchen sink, do some heel rises, you know. While you're washing the dishes. That's right. Some push-ups on the kitchen sink. Stretching, you know, stretching is easy. You can just twist, sitting in the chair, you can do some twisting movement in your spine. You can do chair yoga. There's lots of things <laughs> you can do sitting on a chair. Okay, so there you go. So every half an hour to an hour, get, yeah, just get up and just do, get up, do something. Go for a walk, have a stretch. Yeah, and even if it's top five minutes, you know. And if you're doing other things, even ironing, I don't really know much about ironing, uh, but... <laughs> You could do some squats or you could, if you're standing in front of the sink, you could just stand up on one foot and that would be a yeah, balance exercise. That that's would, right. That start strengthening your core. Maybe walk heel to toe. No? You could do an assemble or yeah. an elevé or a, you know, a plié a retire, in the kitchen. Retire or something like that. <laughs> if you've got no idea what we're talking about, you'll have to come to bar class with Irene. Pliés are great. Plié, oh, love a good plié. <laughs> I've always said yes. I love a good plié. Okay, let's talk about some normal situations. What about driving? We're in the car. People spend a lot of time in the car. I mean, we're sitting. How do we possibly do anything for our health and well-being or exercise or movement while we're in the car? Well, I think breathing is very important. Good idea. So breath work you can definitely do in the car. Yep. So if you're feeling stressed, you know, traffic is bad, you're late for work, just take a few deep breaths and... Slowing down your breath. Just by slowing down your breath, you actually get to the state of what we call, you know, you activate your parasympathetic nervous system. So you go from a flight-fright response to a more calm and uh, feeling safe in that sort of parasympathetic mode. And that's a real healing place to be too, isn't it? That's where your body goes into healing mode. Exactly. So that breath work in the car is really really, important. Yeah, important. And I think that people should learn to get to that space a bit more often. Now, there are many ways you do that and people, you know, not to be too cliche, you can call it mindfulness, you can call it meditation or breath work but really sort of get to that space where you can start to self-regulate. So self-regulation is perhaps a new term, but I I do believe that our body has the intelligence and the power to self-regulate. So you can actually activate and change your physiological responses. So you, you may start to produce your own biochemistry, you know, such as uh, oxytocin and serotonin, which are your 
feel-good chemicals. You start to upgrade your immune function in that condition when you're feeling good, you know. You can start to change your brain waves, you know, to a more coherent pattern. And that's where you can, if you believe in epigenetics, you can actually change the profile of your genetic expression. So we are very powerful beings, and I think we have to believe and trust in our body that it can do things for us and, you know, yep. and that it is the most intelligent thing. That is. And this is coming from a doctor with 12 years education and many, many years of work. So it's not coming from me. If you're listening, this is not my good idea. And this is what we're talking about, building an immune system. We started this whole conversation with this crazy seven-day lockdown now in Melbourne and this coronavirus and this reactive lockdown. Just get into action, get into movement, get into breathing, get into eating well, get into doing all the right things and your body will heal itself, can create all these things that Orange has spoken about. And I mean, really, at the end of the day, we live once. Mm -hmm. We're on this planet once and I see so many people wasting that gift of life that they've been given. What do you say to people who are listening now to help them just live their very, very best life for as long as they can. I think ultimately what we want is joy, peace and love. And I think that the first thing you need to love is yourself. And I think the self-love is the first step to really be kind and compassionate to yourself and to accept yourself. And I think once you do that, you will start to do all the things that need to be done. So to nourish yourself with the right food, to give your body exercise, the right amount of sleep. I agree. And so all those things I think will come if you respect your own body and you, you know, you're kind to yourself. I think that is absolute wisdom, Irene. Absolute wisdom. And so true, if we love ourselves really love ourselves. And I think there's a difference between loving yourself and loving yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there's a difference between arrogance and ego yeah. versus just truly believing in your worth. And when you do truly believe in your worth, you will. Why would you want to put toxins into your body? Yes. Why would you want to compromise your well-being if you truly love yourself, but also if you truly know that the choices that you make will influence the people you care about the most in many ways. And there's a real ripple effect, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, you must see, again, working with the older population, the impact of their well-being that it has on their families. Oh, for sure, yeah. And I think that, you know, once you look after yourself properly, then you can have the energy to give to others as well. And it's not just the energy to give to others, it's the example you set for others. Yeah, and I think that's a wonderful note to wrap this up, Irene. This has been an awesome conversation. Now, if people want to reach out to you and ask you questions or find out more about what you do or mm-hmm. get some advice or come and do a bar class, how do they reach you? Uh, you can email me on tanirene1 at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram under doctor.irene.ten. Okay, there you go. So, look, Irene is there and her passion is helping people. She loves helping people. She's an incredibly giving and passionate person in that space. So reach out to her. 
Irene, thank you so much. I had to convince you to do this podcast, I know. It wasn't normal and or comfortable for you, but you did it and you've done an amazing job. Thank you. And I'm deeply honoured that you've asked me to come and do your podcast. I know. I only ask very special people to come on this podcast, so therefore you must be special. So, Irene, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, she did a great job. She was nervous and she admitted after I stopped recording that she was nervous and she had her notes. She did a wonderful job and she made some incredible points about health, well-being, around mindset, about that mind-body connection, about longevity, about immunity, but about moving with fluency. And there's so many things. We just think, isn't it, go for a run and we're all okay or go to the gym and lift weights and we're all okay, but there's so many things to consider around moving and moving well. And it's a metaphor, isn't it? The better you can move in terms of a holistic approach to exercise and movement, the better you will move through your life and the further you will move through your life with joy, with happiness, with love. And that's what Irene's all about. She did an amazing job. So Irene, thank you for your wonderful contribution. Irene can be emailed at tanirene1 at gmail.com. We also mentioned that Irene is a personal trainer and a part owner of a fitness center. So you can contact her through that website and that is K1Sport. That's the letter K, number one sport.com. And K1 Sport is a Melbourne-based fitness center, which is wonderful. And it's where I do my bar classes. So I'm sure she would love to have you as part of some of the classes that they run at K1 Sport. And she would welcome you to reach out and ask her any questions or connect with her if you would like. I would like to thank the wonderful Pietro at Fiddy for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks, mate. You're a great man. And Fiddy's a wonderful fitness app that helps not just personal trainers get more clients but people that want to get fit and lean and get moving with fluency it's a way for them to find people that can help them do it i will be with you again next week because by golly i love my podcast and i love interviewing cool people and i just love bringing this information to you if you're loving it and getting something out of it please 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 share this podcast with everyone that you know so that I will continue to come back and share with you each and every week. So I'll be with you then. My name is Andrew Jobling and this is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast.